Why do we love conspiracy theories so much? We've always loved a good conspiracy theory from Roswell and Area 51 to who the, U to the US government's role in 9-11. Some of them find are interesting and amusing. Um, earlier on, we played Alex Jones talking about um, chemtrails making frogs gay, um, which had us howling in here, while others uh, deeply believe in them and work hard to disseminate them as widely as possible. But the COVID-19 pandemic appears to have sent conspiracy theorists into overdrive. Um, Ian O'Darty um, from the Irish Independent um, is here to help us figure out why. Hi, Ian. How are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks. I'm really, really, really good. You, you kind of like conspiracy theories. You like playing around with them, don't you? I love them. Um, I think they're great fun. I love debunking them, and I love seeing them being debunked. But they're a fascinating psychological thing because, really, as far as I'm concerned, they're just—it's a religion for a secular era because it provides the same thing that religion used to provide for people that it gives them. Um, it gives them the knowledge that they think that only they have access to. It means that they're that bit, bit, bit more special. And it also, it gives, it gives the believers a degree of certainty that somebody knows what's going on. And, <clears throat> excuse me, even like after 9-11, it was fascinating. They really exploded. It was, for a lot of people, this belief that there was a secret evil cabal who were pulling all the strings and who could do what they want. For a lot of people, that was actually more comforting than just the idea that life was, as Homer Simpson said, just a bunch of stuff that happens. And the idea of chaos in the world, which is where we live in, a lot of people actually find that really, really terrifying. And there's something quite comforting about the idea of, you know, well, say for 9-11, it would have been Donald Rumsfeld and Cheney and stuff. People quite like the idea that somebody knows what they're doing because we're all afraid of utter randomness. And conspiracy theories are a way of tying the world into an easily kind of digestible shape. And then, of course, you get the better, uh, you get the even bigger advantage that you're the one with the insider knowledge and everybody else is just ignorant and sheeple. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, uh, when you ask why do you believe in, why do people believe in conspiracy theories, what you say there is interesting because people, it turns out, need to believe in a narrative, need to believe in a meaning. It's almost, as you say, linked to religion. The idea that things just happen. I could turn left when I walk outside this building and I'll get knocked down. I could turn right and I won't get knocked down. But whether I turn left or right is my decision and it's a chaotic world we live in. And as you say, that is very scary for people to believe in and they would prefer something that suggests everything happens for a reason, Ian. Isn't that right? Exactly. It, it's you know it, it's like um, the way say, some people also they they like they like to say that uh, karma will get you in the end because again that's more comforting than just the idea that a lot of people get through life doing bad things and nothing bad happens to them and it's also there's a human desire I think in many of us to believe that we are not the biggest thing out there that there is a bigger picture than us that there is some sort of controlling or divining force that even if we can't understand. It's nice to know that it is there. It's a, it, again a bit like insecurity, a bit like religion. A lot of it's based on sort of insecurity. Yeah, and it's people don't want to face the um, the awful prospect that they're just a biological organism that came into this world on its own and will go out of this world on its own. And there's really nothing they can do about it. Yeah, and it, exaggera no it exaggerates our own importance in the scheme of things, doesn't it? Which is unfair because we are just blips, really, and we turn left, we turn right, and then we just bump into each other, and things happen. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, facing into our own inherent insignificance can be quite a terrifying thing for an awful lot of people. So they, they, they will feel the need to look at something else. We see also as well, there's a, I know from talking to, like I've been dealing with conspiracy theories for the last 15, 20 years, <coughs> excuse me, and 
the conspiracy theorists that I've met, um, they all have this real genuine sort of sincerity. They really, most of them believe um, what they're saying. And funny enough, the people that I don't, whose sincerity I don't trust, tend to be the ones who propagate these myths. And a lot of the conspiracy theories, both in America and in Ireland, they're being sold by cynics and bought by gullible fools. And that, so, and again, you can also you can basically get another religious analogy out of that as well. You know, um, like the likes of Alex Jones, for example, an uh, Infowars they were talking about earlier. I mean, twenty years ago, he would have been a televangelist. You know, and mm-hmm. he would have been one of those guys that you know, like the Jimmy Swaggart, who then get busted for you know getting getting their flock to send him in a hundred million because God says he needs a new jet. You know, um, yeah. So you have to, you have you have these ringmasters effectively. And if they don't come through in one way, like say being a televangelist, as Alex Jones would have been a few years ago, they'll come through in another way. And the weird thing is that we have the internet now, so everybody on our phones has basically the world's libraries available to download just to watch at the click of a button. We have no excuse for not becoming the smartest, most erudite, and most media literate generation in the history of humanity. And instead, we just spend our time now sending memes and conspiracy theories and basically saying that, you know, um, 5G is going to turn us all impotent and, you know, and Leo Varadkar wants to control our minds with vaccines from COVID. Um, absolutely. We wanted to play you again, the audience again, the, the Alex Jones, principally because it's just so damn um, entertaining. Look it up for yourself. I mean, this is what they're, what do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. And I'm not saying people didn't naturally have homosexual feelings. I'm not even getting into it, quite frankly. I mean, give me a break. You think I'm I'm like, oh, shocked by it, so I'm up here bashing it because I don't like gay people. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Serious crap. I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. (laughs) I love the way he winds himself up into a rage. He makes money out of it, though, doesn't he, Ian? Mario, you might have a point on that one in fairness. I'm just listening to go, maybe I've been a bit wrong to dismiss him all along. Um, Gay frogs. My my favourite theory about Alex Alex Jones himself is the subject of a conspiracy theory, which apparently drives him mad, which is great. Um, Which, I mean, do you remember the old comedian uh, Bill Hicks, who died about 20 years ago? Uh, There's a theory that actually Hicks didn't die. He just went off and reinvented himself as Alex Jones. I've seen that one, and he actually looks very, very like Alex Jones in certain pictures. But what I think is brilliant about it is that Alex Jones finds that really insensitive. Now, this is a guy who said the victims of Sandy Hook were all actors. Um, but he really doesn't like people saying that he's just Bill Hicks reinventing himself, you know. So any anytime anybody has any dealings with an Alex Jones fan or whatever, just keep on mentioning Bill Hicks because it drives them bloody bonkers. Yeah, it also makes me look at Kermit the Frog in a completely different light. But anyway, um, Donald Trump, uh, Ian, is... Are, it, it retweets conspiracy theories. So this puts it into a different platform altogether. So... Whereas Alex Jones from Infowars may have been a kind of a peripheral character, uh, you know, in the in the larger scheme of things, he is now retweeted uh, frequently by the President of the United States. Yes, and how terrifying is that? You know, and I say that as somebody who would have voted for Trump in the last election <laughs> over Clinton. Um, but Trump has always had a very conspiratorial bent, which is... A bit ironic, given the fact that a lot of people assume that he's part of, of the great grand conspiracy himself, that he's a front for the deep state and stuff like that. But you see, when, when you have Trump talking about deep state, which is effectively his own officials, um, it's no wonder then that some of the, I'll be polite, some of the more gullible amongst us um, then tend to swallow this. But the, the important thing about 
the, the great debate about all the corona conspiracies and the 5G conspiracies and the vaccine conspiracies, and people say we need to ban these off, you know, off social media and stuff like that. I think that abrogates the individual of their own responsibility to actually check things out. If you see, I mean, some of the stuff we've all been seeing on social media over the last six months, even by the standards of conspiracy theories, it's been completely bonkers. You know, and because people want to believe something, and also people resent authority more now than they ever did. There's a there's a greater lack of trust between the average citizen and the average government all across the West than there's probably ever been before. Yeah, we've become completely people well, don't believe their governments, and yeah. so when they don't believe the government, they believe anything else. Yes, but but yeah, I mean, you rightly say, should we not take more responsibility for checking stuff out ourselves? But isn't this the problem that people don't want to check it out because they don't? They just want to believe that they just want it's confirmation bias. They want to confirm already what they already believe. It's confirmation bias, but it's something that one of the things I always found interesting, like everything, most people my age, I loved the X Files. Was that great, mm. great fun. But the thing that used to really, really annoy me about Mulder was that he had this famous poster in his office saying, "I want to believe," and there in lies the exact problem with every conspiracy theory and every conspiracy theorist. Anybody can believe. You shouldn't want to believe. You should want to know. My thing is that, like, I mean, from the time I was a kid, I devoured sort of UFO books and, you know, Bermuda Triangle books or whatever. And I just, I wanted to know. And I still do. I mean, you can see the Pentagon releasing some very interesting uh, UFO types. Yes, I did. I saw them, yeah. And these are fascinating. They're, they're genuine questions to be asked about all of these things. But I don't believe in anything because belief, belief is just a superstition if you don't have any logic based on it. So I want to know the facts. I want to know the facts about how many files, for example, the Pentagon haven't released yet. And I want to know why they've decided to release these things now. Um, and there's a fascinating story about that. You don't have to be wearing a tinfoil helmet to be interested in something like that. But again, it's this thing of I want to believe. And this goes back into my thesis that it's just basically religion for a secular age. It's people want to be of the faith and they want to feel sure and they want to feel in a way that they're saved because they have, you know, they have the, the knowledge and they know the truth, the way and the light. And meanwhile, the rest of us are just scrambling around in the dark and we're all sheep. Um, Ian, you mentioned, well, we, t- we, we played the uh, gay bomb and the frogs are gay um, from Alex Jones. And also one that's always driven me mad is uh, Pizzagate. Um, I'm sure you know yeah. what Pizzagate is. Could you tell our listeners what Pizzagate is? Because I find that to be utterly bizarre. And Pizzagate was the story that did the rounds that Hillary Clinton and a top cabal of Washington insiders were all part of a paedophile club. And they were killing kids. And it was it from this, uh, it was the Magic Pizza restaurant, was that the name? Mm. In Washington. And now it was quite obviously ludicrous. It was like something that a stand-up comedian could have written as a as a farcical Mickey take-up conspiracy theorist. But, so a lot of people actually then began to believe that this restaurant was actually the HQ for the millionaire's murderous paedophile club. And this is where conspiracy theories stopped being full and stopped being daft. Because one guy believed enough of it to actually go in and start shooting up the restaurant. Yeah. So this is where you get in from the, you know, the likes of yourself, yourself can take a step back and we can look at these things and we can admire the madness and we can, we can admire the effort that goes into painting these deranged pictures. But when you see, basically, in a country with, as we know, very lax gun control and a very inadequate mental health services, um, so you have 
easy access to guns, bad mental health services, the proliferation of really mad conspiracy theories. And then the result is you get people going in and shooting up restaurants. Mm. Um, but that's at the far end, of course, of uh, of conspiracy theories. Like, for example, just before the show, um, my producer Patrick was talking to me about um, the Bilderberg Group, and that's something you'd hear, for example, Jim Corr uh, possibly go on about. Now, but 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 the Bilderberg Group is an entity, isn't it? Oh, it is. It, mm. it, 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 it exists, and it meets all the time. And they, you know, every time they meet, the funny thing is now, for, you know, they're the world's worst secret society. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every time they meet, there were basically there were more journalists and more bloggers and more conspiracy theorists turn up to the various different venues. Yeah, um, the, the people who turn up. I mean, we've had a, a lot of um, a lot of Irish people have been over to Billboard. It's basically it's a think tank for the for the immensely rich. It is um, the, the immensely powerful, um, and it's a bit like that. There's a similar thing in America called Bohemian Grove, where basically the rich and the powerful get together for a weekend. And they do rich and powerful things together. Um, but as I said, the, if the Bilderbergs were as dangerous um, and as secretive as their critics like to say, well, then we wouldn't know about them and we wouldn't know where they're having their meeting next year. You know, they go from various luxury resorts around Europe uh, and pick the things. But uh, no, as I said, the, it's, if it's not the Bilderbergs, it's the Illuminati. If it's not the Illuminati, it's the New World Order. But the one thing, Mary, that I would say... All of these conspiracies, they all come back to one thing when you uh, when you shake down hard enough, they all come back to anti-Semitic theories. This all goes back to 1919, the, the, the hoax book, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which was meant to be about this Jewish plan to take over the world's banks, to take over the world's media, and ultimately to take over the world. Now, Russian intelligence wrote that as the, the original sort of false flag. Yeah. That's still that is still on that book is still on sale in the Middle East today, and only a few years ago, Egyptian TV did an adaptation of it. And but if you look at a lot of the the Western conspiracy theories, you'll find that it goes back to international financiers, and that's basically a nod and a wink to say the Jews. Um, the latest conspiracy theory about COVID nineteen, and it's getting as much traction in America as it is in the Middle East, is that it's a Zionist plot. So it's amazing if you keep, if you just, if you kind of unravel most of these theories, you will find at the source of it, there's a real deep anti-Semitism. And a lot of the, and this is what I'm saying about these theories are sold by cynics and bought by fools. Because the people who are selling these theories know exactly what they're doing. But the people who are buying them don't really realize that they're just engaging in another anti-Semitic trope. But it's, it's fascinating, the commonality, and of all the theories that I've gone through over the last few years, from 9-11 all the way down, you'll always find that there's some element blaming Israel or blaming the Jews or blaming the Zionists or the international financiers or whatever way you want to put it. And from, just to finally, Ian, just to, um, as a kind of a, a quick trawl through some of the conspiracy theories, just from your delving into them and talking about them and writing um, frequently about them as well. I mean, for example, the, the, the assassination of JFK. Do you have any particular views on that? Do you think it was a single shooter? Yes. I didn't for a long time because... The video, there's a Pruder film, certainly gave a good indication that it wasn't. And this idea that Oswald couldn't have pulled off three rounds as quickly as he did with the rifle that he had. And then there was a documentary on a couple of years ago, and it was a, just an ordinary American soldier. And he just did, he went up and he did exactly what Oswald did. So that argument that, you know, no one man could possibly have done that, and that's bogus. So therefore, you have, and 
there, there's loads of scientific explanations for why there was just the one shooter. I'd love the idea. No, I always thought that it was a cover-up, that there might have been something there. Mm. And a lot of people, we need to, don't mistake conspiracy theories for cover-ups. Exactly, yeah. That's that's why I brought I mean, that I mean, one up. Every, every government will try to cover things up. But you see, the thing is, the reason why I don't believe in any of these bad conspiracy theories, particularly the governmental ones or whatever, is that most governments can't tie their shoelaces without it being leaked. Yeah. Right. The idea that, say, 9-11 would have had to involve about 15,000 different yeah. people if they were going to handle all the explosives and all that. Does right. anybody in their right mind, genuinely with their hand on their heart, think that such a conspiracy could have been carried out, A, in the first place, and B, that nobody, we wouldn't have had any deathbed confessions or we wouldn't have had anybody... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We see, the thing is, it's, there's no point in saying to the conspiracists, we need to look at these things logically. Because that's a bit like asking a Catholic to say, can you describe transubstantiation to me in a logical way? They can't. They just yeah. have to take certain on faith. Exactly. And so once into this thing of taking the theories on faith, there's, there's really almost no point in trying to argue with these people. You just have to hope that they'll come and see their senses. Yeah, it's funny actually. It, it, and it's funny, if you, if you even go down on YouTube, right, and look up, let's say, conspiracy theory of man landing on the moon, okay? So somebody will look at that conspiracy theory that man didn't land on the moon and all sorts of evidence will be um, posted in support of their theory. But what people often fail to do is just go down to the video below it, which is complete and utter scientific refutation of the video they've just watched of why man did land on the moon. Oh, but look, I mean, here's the, I wrote about this on the anniversary uh, a few months ago and I was like, for anybody who still has any doubts whatsoever, and they don't believe the American science, and they don't believe, you know, the, the official U.S. government line, the one magic bullet against the, the idea that the whole thing is a, is a hoax, a Russian cosmonaut came out in the 70s and said he was in a secret Soviet spying base, keeping an eye on that mission. And the Soviets were looking at it, and he said the cosmonauts actually stood up and applauded because they felt a degree of simpatico with the American astronauts. Now, does anybody honestly think if the Soviets had any proof whatsoever that the landings had been fake, that they wouldn't have come out with it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you really, there's a difference between having an open mind and having an empty head. There is, and indeed. You, really, you need to have a massively empty head if you honestly believe that the Soviets would have colluded with the Americans to give the Americans the credit to be the first people to land on the moon. That, Again, that just doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And we'll leave it there. Ian O'Doherty from the Irish Independent, thank you very much for that really interesting thrall through the world of conspiracy theories. Thank you. Mario Sunday Roast on Today FM with Mario Rosenstock.